When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Better late than never, but we got this one on the calendar, and I'm really excited to bring you this episode. We recorded it on the eve of the TBT. That'd be Friday, July 23rd. First part of the episode, talking to Bonsu and Ryan Mikesell about the upcoming TBT this weekend. And then on the back half of the episode, I got UD grad Nick Elam on to talk about the Elam ending and its impact on the TBT. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the episode. Let's go. Listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. And welcome back to the newest episode of Talking Out Loud. Said in the preamble, we're recording here Friday, July 23rd on the eve of Flyers jumping into the TBT for their third season to run it back. And as such, had to do a proper preview. We did it kind of at the last minute. It's going to have to stand on its own uh, for all you TBT fans out there. But um, I didn't even want to do an introduction. We got Jeremiah Bonsu, Ryan Mikesell. Don't call him Chip on this podcast. They've joined us. Fellas, what's going on? Live from the Columbus Marriott, I'm told, right? Yes, yes sir. Penthouse. <laughs> We're yeah, in the penthouse. penthouse. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's the week been like here? You guys, I mean, this is pretty much the back half of what, like seven media appearances. Um, I know you guys saved the best for last, but it feels like it's been pretty hectic for you guys, right? Yeah, it's been it's been a lot more since I'm used to since at least college. I've never been this busy before with just media and, uh, practicing, you know, twice a day walkthrough stuff like that. So it's been good though. It's been good to catch up with the guys and um, kind of figure this thing out before we get into the tournament. 
Yeah, for sure, man. So what uh, what's the last couple of months been like for you? I know that like you were waiting around to get an offer for a while there. Then it finally came through. I guess that was in like what March, and then you were overseas for a few months, right? Yeah. So it it kind of all ha- yeah, pretty much exactly what you said um, with the whole COVID situation, and I had some kind of agent situation or agent issues and stuff. But I got that figured out. I was able to go to Germany and play for a couple months. Uh, went over there, came back, uh, just been training, working out, running some basketball camps, some clinics. Um, and now I actually just signed again to go back to Germany. So right after this tournament, I'll hop on a flight, go across the pond and, and begin year two for uh, my uh, professional basketball career. So that's pretty much been it. Well, what was the, the biggest adjustment for you right out of the gate from the, the collegiate game to the international game? Uh, I would just say the attention to detail, um, you know, playing over there, guys are pros. Like it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a different type of mentality. Uh, guys are over there, you know, working to get contracts that guys have kids, they have families that they got to put food on the table for. So their attention to detail is a lot, I would say a lot more, um, I guess it's just stronger than a college, college player. Yeah. And then uh, on the other side of the fence, I was going back and forth with these guys to set up the podcast. Uh, we wanted to do it last week. Didn't work out. Try to do it this week. Had to get it in on Friday. And I was in the DMs going back and forth with Bonsu, and he gave me a reply. And then about 24 hours later, his profile picture changed, and I went, that looks a lot like the Duquesne logo. What the hell is that about? Sure enough, found out a couple of hours after that. We got a new job, so now we're going to see you this cu- upcoming season. What's been going on in your world, man? This is a new development here. Let's tell the people what's going on with you. Yeah, so I finished up as a GA at Arkansas, and you know, I had I was just kind of going through the looking for jobs, and Duquesne. I had a buddy who worked there already, and it was close to the home. It was in the Atlantic Ten, and it's just an opportunity to co- to compete with the program that. I know what they can do possibly because I've been in this league and I know where I can help them out a whole lot. Yeah, definitely. And did you have any exposure with Dave Harper at UD, now the athletic director at Duquesne? Was there a connection there or no? No, I actually didn't. I I, I knew a guy who worked in, I worked with in Dallas and he kind of had always told me the whole year, like, hey man, would you be interested? You know, like, and so I knew a lot about their program. I knew Coach Dan brought a little bit. Mm-hmm. Happened really quickly. Position opened up. They're like, "Hey, it's yours if you kind of want it." And so I was there. But I, I talked to uh, Mr. Harper already uh, when I got there. We had a nice long t- chat, actually. Yeah, there you go. He loves Dayton, and he's been doing a great job at Duquesne. Um, you know, hats off to him. You know, me being from Pittsburgh, I have some um, some context to the situation. You know, the athletics department for years at Duquesne didn't spend a whole lot of money, and they didn't prioritize athletics. Then, you know, they had kind of an um, organizational shift or an administration shift, and they brought in Dave from, uh, from UD. And now, you know, we're five, six years down the road now. They got a new athletic center, um, or rec center, rather you know, new arena over at Duquesne. So it's all on the up and up. And, uh, you know, I applaud you for making that move, man. It's it's on the other side of the aisle from us here in the conference. But uh, as a dude from Pittsburgh, my brother went to Duquesne. It's it's hard for me to uh, to knock the choice, man. So I, we're going to be following along with you. And I hope that, you know, it works out. Um, but 
before that yeah. all happens, we got no, 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 no. The Bonsu Revenge game. <laughs> the, but yeah, we will have the Bonsu Revenge game, and then you can come back on the podcast before we play Duquesne. So that's that's good radio right there. I'm telling you, that's good marketing. Yeah, you know how it goes around here. I'm all about just making good radio. Um, in that same breath. TBT coming up tomorrow uh, is at 3 o'clock Eastern in Columbus. Uh, so the schedule, guys, you've been around practicing for, what, about a week now? Um, w- what's coming out of practice? I mean, who's talking shit? Who's getting buckets? All that good stuff. You guys have kind of been in it now for a few days. So there's got to be something to report back, right? We'll give you the coach's side of it. Bonsu can take that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, from a coach's side, I think that we have a very physical team. Um, and I, you know, very quickly with Trey, it's obvious, but you got Trey, you got Devin Scott, Kendall Pollard, uh, <laughs> even Jordan, uh, Brandon Spearman, and then CJ Walker, who we picked up is very physical as a point guard. Um, so we're, we're I think we're, that's where we know our, our bread is buttered to say, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, like, how do you guys prepare for the tournament? Because like, for listeners out there, I if you listen to the show last week, I kind of gave like the uh, short version of what we're up against here. He's got like six guys that play in this like Armenia League and, you know, there's no tape on these guys. So how do you prepare for those games? Well, the way Joey and I wanted to do the practices was get the guys to play, playing as much as they could together um, and then kind of make it collaborative like and say, hey, we want to put this in, we want to do this. What do you guys think about it? What are you comfortable with? And through that, we actually kind of – I think our offense is going to be a little better because the players kind of end up telling us what they wanted to do. Yeah. So a lot of that – a lot of focus has been on ourselves. Today, actually, being Friday, we're going to get into film study on the our opposing team. And we're just going to – for them, we can actually look at them as a team and know a little bit of what they might do since they play together. Yeah. Moving forward, it's going to be more of understanding personnel, what a guy is good at, what we – what tend – tendencies we've seen of him while watching film yeah and i was about to ask you guys that was i feel like it's a pretty abrupt turnaround to go saturday sunday was there any discussion with the teams about that to like hey what if you you know gave us a day in between i mean is that your preference do you guys want to play back-to-back days because from a fan perspective it kind of feels like that's a lot yeah i mean as a player you you always like to have a little bit of rest in between just let your body kind of take uh take its whatever energy back but yeah i mean at the end of the day like we're playing for a million dollars so if we had to play in the morning and play at night man like <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd do it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like wherever we gotta be just tell us where to be there no i'll bring my shoes so um but i mean we have we have a good mix of older guys and younger guys so i think that actually gives us an advantage because you know the older guys i think they've kind of been through all sorts of basketball so that they know how to take care of their bodies and stuff like that. And then on the flip side, we have young guys who can kind of recover maybe a little bit faster than those older guys. So, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, having more depth this year, which should help us for those back-to-back games for sure. Yeah. My guy, DMO, Devin Oliver, he's, he's one of the old guys now, right? Like the OG, the OG. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's. It's funny because he like when I went to school. Uh, let's see, he, I think he was two years behind me, and the fact that he's now like one of the old guys on the squad is kind of tripping me out. But I mean, you guys also picked up Brandon Spearman. How did that come together? Where uh, you got him to jump on it? And before, sorry, before you answer, I guess I got to back up for a lot of listeners because it's been a long time since Brandon Spearman was on campus, mm-hmm. but. Brandon Spearman came in uh, with the Juwan Staten class. That was the year that Brian Gregory left, which would have been 2011. Uh, when Staten transferred out, Gregory went to Georgia Tech. And the last piece of that that a lot of people have forgotten, to no fault of his own, is that Brandon Spearman ended up transferring to Hawaii, I believe it was, and then uh, actually played out a pretty productive career. But if you didn't remember that name when they put it onto the TBT, rest not or fear not, rather, uh, talking out loud, listeners. I got you covered with the information. So how'd that all come to be, guys? So he was actually working out in Chicago, and so was Devin Demo as well right now. And so they kind of just got to talking, and then Demo kind of brought him to Joe. Joe was like, what do you think? I was like, man, the guy's a pro. And, you know, at the time we needed more players because we understood, like Ryan said, depth is a big thing here. How many bodies do you have? And Brandon's been really good so far this week. So we're excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, man. Like you said, just having another motor in there, um, you know, just having guys be physical, right? Was it weird to get to play some pickup games at the rec? What was that about? Coach, too. Brandon, he's really smart about a game. Like He's a vet, man. <laughs> yeah, I believe it, man. He's been around for a while. Um, but yeah, it, it, playing at the rec, was that weird? You guys got to basically kind of have the rec to yourself, play some pickup games. Is that a little bit different to be back on campus again? Yeah, it was It was really weird. There wasn't too many people there, obviously, with it being summertime. Not a lot of students on campus, but um, it was it was, it was was fun just to be around the campus. A lot of the older guys haven't been back in a while, so um, just kind of taking it all in with them. You know, them talking about old stories they had. Uh, going around campus and whatnot so it's it's been fun it's been it's been a joy for sure yeah and you know um like on that same note i think that's one of the reasons why this tournament has kind of taken off um for the fans because you know in the summertime like you said not a lot going on not a lot of people on campus there's not a whole lot of reasons to you know throw on your flyers gear and and i think you know i me personally i think it's pretty cool like tomorrow's you know end of July and, and we're going to turn on a game that the Flyer fans, you know, really care about. Um, and, you know, I don't know, do you guys feel that same way? I know you're playing for a million dollars, but at the same time, is it kind of cool to have something that, and especially you, Bonsu, like you created this basically from nothing. And now here it is, you know, we got a thousand people are going to listen to this podcast. We have people showing up at Milano's just like what have uh, autograph session with you guys. Um, it's on ESPN tomorrow. I mean, I know, my feed's going to be going crazy with the same people on Twitter always talking about Dayton hoops. But I guess the question is like, have you now appreciated how much of a snowball that you originally packed and now it has all that momentum where it's kind of turned into a very tangible thing? Uh, well, honestly, I'll never forget the first game when we walked out, Joe and I walked out because we were really nervous to see what it was going to look like and how we were going to be. And we actually had a player who showed up 20 minutes before that game started. So we were super nervous. And when we walked out and we saw all the fans, like we were kind of looking at it like, this is kind of going to be wild. Like, yeah. And each year has been crazier. And for me, the best part of it, honestly, has been this is more of a sappy spiel thing because of like how I've been busy with Arkansas and COVID happened. Kind of, I was taking the charge in the beginning. 
And to see Joe, the way he picked it up and put a lot of work and time into it, the events we've had, the accommodations we've had for the players, um, it's tremendous. Like, we're not just trying to – oddly enough, we're not just trying to, like, have a little summer pickup team yeah. where you get together. Like, we're coming back and it's like, you're a three, okay, like, hey, we know what to do now. Like, this is this is our shit kind of. Like, let's go. Yeah, Ryan, have you felt that too where like last year, maybe with how weird it was in COVID, you know, maybe there was a little bit more of a lazy fair attitude to the whole thing. And then this year, it's like the fans are going to be there. Like, have you kind of felt it too in the practices and how seriously the guys have taken it up to this point? Yeah, for sure. I mean, with COVID and stuff, we had a lot of guys who weren't even playing basketball before the tournament. They just yeah, that's a good point. Gyms and stuff like that. Like, I think dudes were telling me they were in the basement dribbling for like 25 minutes a day. They couldn't even... <laughs> Shots up and stuff so like <laughs> i mean obviously just having um you know access back to the gyms and and guys working out i mean there's definitely a, a business-like approach to this like we're not here like monster said we're not here just to play pickup i mean there's really good teams here uh really good really good really really good players um so you have to be ready to play otherwise you're gonna go out there and lay an egg and um you know we have a really talented roster this year and like he like he said joey and bonsu they've done a great job of just preparing us this week, uh, setting up all sorts of events, you know, uh, the situation we had on campus, uh, with the, with the dorms and, um, you know, them paying for our meals and using the rec. And we had a nice situation at Orion, the sports medicine facility. Mm -hmm. So it's been awesome. It's been very businesslike, very, um, you know, we're there to win a million dollars. We're not there to just, you know, go out there and, uh, lay an egg type deal. <laughs> yeah. Bonsu, has it been easier to like prepare now that you guys actually have funding? Because if I recall, did <laughs> we do, we did, did we do like a Kickstarter off of Twitter last year or something like that? Like I remember trying to like raise funds for you guys. And then this this year, like have all the, the schools like approval and shit. Do you remember the first year, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, was like I was like, hey, the GoFundMe, like we were like, hey, man, hit him with it. It was... We did. Um, I remember we did the initial podcast just because we wanted to get the word out. Like that—that that was the only reason we did the show, and then it ended up being like a big thing, you know. Been here from the start, man. Yeah, <laughs> and and honestly, one of the things is Orion Sportsman's like what they've been able to do for our guys. Our guys are going and getting treatment mm-hmm. every single day from NBA uh, trainers in an NBA facility. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and, and that's through, like, a partnership. And like you said, it's just those little small things. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but we're, we're, this is – I'm interested to see where it keeps going because if we have more and more success, who knows? You know, like, there's a reason why they brought it the finals to Dayton, by the way. Yeah. Did you guys get any uh, backstory to that? Or, or were they just kind of like, hey, the, you know, we know that there's going to be five or 10,000 people at this final, so we're going to have it in Dayton. Did you have that conversation or did you kind of get it afterwards? I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it. Go for it. That's what that's what I'm all about here. Okay, like, and well, it, like, and if it's something that you're not allowed to say, then you can just like after that's this is why it's great to have an independent podcast. If it ends up being something, you can just be like, oh yeah, we, that was just satire. I just made that up. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> this may or may not be. We'll see. Whatever. Uh, but two years ago, they after actually the first year we did it, they were just like blown away by dating fans. They were like telling us like, wow, this is great. This is great. And then it was like, hey, like we want to have it at UD Arena. So Mm -hmm. the whole lead up into COVID, that was so upsetting. It was going to be at UD Arena last year too. Yeah. And and so that was kind of almost going to be what, like the second year with the new renovations? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would be great. 
they were so excited for it. And so we were just kind of really bummed out because we were like, oh man, like what if they don't like have it there anymore? What if they just want to do one site, you know, like last year, whatever it was, but they've always wanted to do UD. They love the fans. We have sold the most tickets here at the Columbus Regional by far. They're, oh, that was an Aaron Kraft told me that yesterday. That oh, really? Good. Yeah. He, and so they know what's coming down the pipe here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron Kraft definitely knows what's coming down the pipe with Dayton fans because we still give it to him on Twitter. And that game happened seven years ago. So <laughs> that's like one of those jokes that's never going to die on Twitter. Just like Ohio State says something. Oh, uh, I guess we better send him the picture. Aaron Kraft laying on the floor. <laughs> Is he a nice, as nice of a guy as everybody says he is? Because that's all you ever hear about him. Sadly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great, man. great guy, actually. Yeah, that's all I ever hear about him, which is, I think that's what makes the joke so funny, is that, like, Dayton fans love dumping on him. But, like, the only thing you ever hear about him is, oh, yeah, like, stand-up guy, great guy, guy you'd bring home to mom. <laughs> he should have been a flyer in the first place. He knows it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right, man. <laughs> um, but your point's well, like your point's well taken, man, about the the snowball and support. And, and I tell people this all the time with, with the radio show, like I just kind of started doing this on top of like blogging because I thought it was fun. And it was just kind of like, oh, let's have this irreverent podcast. It's not necessarily the polished version of WHIO, right? And then, you know, some people would reach out to me and, hey, we want to sponsor the show. Milano's reached out to me. Hey, we want to get involved. I had local businesses reach out to me. Hey, you know, we want to help you out. And that's how it went, man. And and you saying that just kind of reminded me of, of my own path here because that's how it's been for me, right? Like, it's a small thing. I know it's just like a little radio show. Like, who cares, right? But I've had all these people along the way in Dayton that care about the program and having coverage that have given me like these little steps to get to where I am. And, you know, I kind of owe a lot of it to them. And I think you guys are just doing it on such a greater scale, right? Because there's just a ton of money now behind the team. There's a lot of backing. There's treatment you guys can get. You can practice at the rec. Um, I don't know, man, like you, you were waxing poetic, but I do it all the time. Like that's, that's kind of my story here, right? Is just the, the fans around here for one reason or another, um, they'll support anything that has Dayton players or, or Dayton alumni on it. Right. Sorry. That was Joey Texas about team meeting, but uh, all right. That, I'm leaving that in. I'm not going to edit that out. We can keep on rolling through it. A hundred percent with, um, with that feel, man, these fans are amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm about to tell Joey to wait till after the interview. He he big time me, so he's gonna have to wait. Jo- he, yeah, that guy, he's big, he's Mr. Mr. Dayton right now, honestly. Oh, like, I he, bet. Yeah. But we the fans are great. You know, Ryan 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 can tell you. He walked into Warped Wing and I made the joke when we were walking in. I told Trevor Thompson, I said, hey, we're about to walk in with like Ryan. Like, this is gonna be a big deal. <laughs> we're with Ryan Mike so, bro. <laughs> He made a joke, and I kid you not, it took Ryan 40 minutes to come sit down with us. <laughs> Am I lying, Ryan? Go nah, ahead. Yeah, I was talking to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's awesome, man. It's super special. Like, the fact, I remember just at Milano's, I was talking to Demo. I was sitting right next to him. I was like, this is unreal that these fans come out and still support us after, you know, years we played at Dayton. You know, like, it's just, that that's what makes the whole university so special to, to, to just be a part of like mm-hmm. the, just the 
the alumni base, uh, the fans itself. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you know, it, it's, uh, that's just one of those things you get. That's why it's funny. You know, when you go back to town, it feels like you're, you're going home, you know? Um, and I know you're, you're like from the area, you know, being from, from up North a little bit, but even so, you know, I, I, feel that same way. Like I, when I go back for a radio show or just even go back for a game, um, it just kind of has that, that feeling like I'm going home or, you know, we're, we're going to see a game at home. It just, it has that aura around it. Um, before we, we get to wrapping up, I did want to ask you guys, you know, going back towards, um, uh, playing and being on the court. Um, back half of the episode here, I'm going to be talking to Nick Elam, university of Dayton graduate about the Elam ending. Um, how do you guys prepare for that? Or like, I know you don't want to tip your cap too much the day before the game, but like, like what is the process to prepare for something that basically no one has experienced in their playing career before outside of this tournament? Okay, I'll do it from a player's perspective first. Uh, yeah, sure. Awesome, man. Like just being a part of it last year, winning on a bucket. Like when I hit that three in the corner last year, it's such a good feeling. Cause that's like, that's exactly how you feel in an open gym setting, man. Like you hit that bucket and then it's game. Like you don't, have to yeah. like, like if you're up a lot of points, you don't have to worry about just running the clock down. Like you have to, it forces every team to keep playing. And then on the flip side, like we've been a part of it when we played that Illinois team, like we kind of, we started pressing a little bit. They started hitting some threes. They started to come back and then you're kind of panicking a little bit. So um, it just adds another dynamic that, that obviously we've never been a part of. So um you know, from a player's perspective, I love it. I think it, I think it's a great idea. I think it's great for the game. From a coaching side, I think the best thing to have to prepare for it is players who have been part of it. Yeah. Because like you said, there's no other way to like describe that. There's no other way to describe getting a breakaway dunk to end a game and you're upset because you're like, <laughs> whoa, we really lost this game. Yeah, seriously. Um, there's no way to describe how when the first year against Mid-American Unity, we – Basically needed to get a stop for eight straight minutes. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my know? god. Yeah. <laughs> and then we almost still lost the game. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing you do is you have conversations about how important possessions are um, throughout the game. So you can't start wasting a possession thinking, "Oh, I got to get my, I got to get my shit off right now." So I'm going to go ahead and go one on one this possession early in the game. It doesn't matter. No, it matters because there's a limited. Because then at the end of the game, all of a sudden, one team doesn't need the same amount of possessions you need to yeah. try to win the game. So every possession matters. You have those conversations. You rely on players who have been there before. And then when it comes down to calling sets and plays late in that game, you have to have a team that knows what they're going to do. Can't just play one-on-one. Yeah, and you know the more that I've watched this in the TBT, and Ryan, you kind of hit on it, it's almost like there's less preparation for the end of game situations because there is no situation, right? Like you are going into the Elam ending just saying we have to get buckets, we have to respect possessions. And then when the Elam ending happens, the intensity ramps up, but your strategy doesn't necessarily change. Is that is that kind of right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Uh, you see... You've seen games, uh, even this tournament, uh, where teams kind of go away from what they've been doing the whole time. You know, those last eight points, they're, you know, a player may think he can try to take over and he tries to kind of, kind of play a little hero ball. And, and in all reality, I think the best tactic is to just keep, keep playing your game. You know, you got up 
where you were doing what you do best. So why would you go away from that? So, um, yeah, I'd say that's, that, that would probably be the biggest thing. Well, I'll share this with you guys. And um, unfortunately, I've, I've also shared it on the next segment I'm going to do with Nick Elam. Um, but I think this is good information for you guys now that you're on the show and the game's tomorrow. So uh, they had a graphic up um, about the percentage splits of how the Elam ending has ended each time in the TBT. And this is eight years of sample set data. Okay, so... My question to you guys is, what percentage of Elam ending games have ended on a three-pointer all-time? And that's your trivia for tonight. Uh, Bonsu, you can go first. I'd say 40%. Brian? Mm, that's good. That was kind of what I was thinking, too. I'm going to go... What? I'm going to go... I'm going to go 30%. Are you serious? You should have gone high, man. 47% of games end on a three-pointer. Thirty-two percent end on a two-point bucket, and twenty-two percent end at the free throw line. Now, that was pretty interesting all time. But in this year's TBT, as of Sunday, I didn't see the games on Monday and Tuesday, so they might have updated this graphic. But as of Sunday, sixty-seven percent of games were ended on a two-point bucket. However, one in four ended on a dunk or a three-pointer. So the two-point buckets was just like shots and buckets, and then dunks were a separate category, right? But one in four games ends on a three-pointer or a dunk, and only two games so far have ended on a free throw. So do with that information what you will, fellas. I'm just... Those are just the facts, okay? That, yeah. Analytics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can do anything with that. I just felt like I had to share it with you guys so that you know what the breakdown is. But no hero ball, all right? Hey, Dayton Twitter, call out all players who play hero ball on our team in the mentions. Like, <laughs> like no matter what, win or, win or loss, call them out, please. At Flyers TBT, call yeah. them out. Yeah, call him off, especially if it's Ryan. Come on. <laughs> All right, so uh, recording here on Friday, wrapping up with Ryan, Mike, Sell, and Jeremiah Bonsu before the TBT tournament. Uh, what's tomorrow look like, fellas? Like, what's the day before the game look like? Um, you know, w- what do you guys got planned from the morning until uh, the early afternoon when you start at 3 o'clock? Um, I think right now our schedule is uh, – tonight we have kind of like a film session uh, just – kind of just wrap up some stuff for the game tomorrow. And then in the morning, I don't know if we're going to have some sort of walkthrough or not. Uh, wake up, get some breakfast, uh, then get ready for an early game at 3 o'clock. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they'll do the wake up. We'll decide between film or walkthrough. Might do both. Might just do one or the other. Um, and then Joey and I are going to watch the games, uh, a couple of the games earlier before ours. And then, you know, Three o'clock will be on you pretty quick. Yeah. The main yeah. thing is we want to just make sure these guys have no distractions uh, and just kind of ha- are comfortable the night before. For sure. And there's some games tonight too. You guys going to be able to pop those on? Uh, we, we, we we're going to be probably doing a little bit of late night think tank here. <laughs> uh, you know, think, thinking that you know we can reinvent the wheel. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we started this recording like early in the afternoon on Friday, and the TBT is actually already underway. Um, do they have you guys all staying in the same place, or you got different hotels? I think it's the same place. I think I it's the same place. Maybe like one more hotel, but yeah. I we've seen a lot of a lot of teams, a lot of different guys. Uh, yeah, 
themselves. So. That's always got to be weird, right? Like you, yeah. you, you go neck to neck with them for an hour and then you just like got to roll up to the hotel, see the same dudes. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about <laughs> yesterday the three-point contest? I'm sitting there talking to this guy. I have no idea who he is. He's one of the rebounders for a player. And I kind of find out he's a rebounder for Zip Him Up. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I had been nice to him, blah, blah. And then we go head to head. Winner goes to Dayton. And immediately right after, like, my first comment was, yeah, that's why Dayton beat Xavier. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, we were friends. Like, not, like 10 minutes ago, we we're friends. <laughs> yeah, you laid it on him real quick there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so – Last question I have for you, Bonsu. You know, this third year, um, you know, we talked about how it's kind of come from nothing. But do you have like a, a best story or a best moment, or um, you know, like a person that you met through the TBT that that kind of stands out in these three years now? Yeah, well, my favorite part of it, and I say, say it all the time now, is if you're around me and when I was on the team. There's no way you would have said Daryl and I were friends or Trey and I were best friends, although Trey and I were, were road roommates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always go like, wow, they went from probably being my two and all honestly least favorite teammates. <laughs> uh, for many reasons, starting with Daryl and me playing against each other, we were going, <laughs> someone wanted to fight at the end of it. Every and, time. Um, Every time. There was a quick story. There was a moment in practice where. I was setting a screen. We're on the same team. I'm setting a screen for him. And because when he was playing defense earlier, he thought I screened him too hard. When he's on offense, and I am also on offense, he runs and bulldozes me over. (laughs) For me, it was a top five moment as a player. I never. (laughs) It was just so uncalled for. This is like everyday type of stuff. Like, you couldn't make it up. Yeah. Like, you could not make this up. And, so then, and then me and Trey, we're road roommates, blah, blah, blah. Trey's mad at, uh, at Coach Miller. I think it was actually a practice where he got uh, – yeah, he got kicked out for like a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and for some reason, I was always the one that someone wanted to, like, fuck up on the screen. Like, yeah. I was the guy. Like, just go <laughs> fuck him up. Yeah. Trey, Trey just, like, lays me out. And I, for the first time in my life, I got up and I thought I was going to swing at someone. And I, Coach Miller just goes, sponsor, stop that shit. <laughs> um, but the, back to the real thing is those two guys are like my favorite guys here. Yeah. And seeing their maturity is insane. And that's the that's been the best part is literally those two guys. Said about Daryl after year one. And then Joe last year, all he would talk about was, man, you got to see Trey now. Like, you got to be around Trey now. And being around Trey again is awesome, man. That's been the best part. And then also seeing my – New least favorite uh, teammate of all time, Ryan Mikesell. Yeah. So to start, this is, uh, I'll just give the listeners uh, something kind of funny. So to yeah. start the week, Bonsu literally came out to me and said, uh, Ryan, I'm just going to scream and yell at you the whole week, literally for no reason at all. Like, <laughs> just for the fact that I haven't seen you in a while and I haven't been able to like mess with you or pick on you. So we would just be like doing something random. I think it'd be tying my shoe and you'd just you know, yell at me, cuss me out for no reason. So that's the type of relationship we have. He's always been. He's always been a great friend in that regard. I'm always there for you when you need me. <laughs> yeah, and good thing you guys had Trey on the team because otherwise, I don't know what you were doing for dinner last night. It looked like his mom came through with the meals, right? Yeah, big, time, yeah. big time. Shout out Mama Landers, man. She yeah. is time with the meals. How's the Landers cooking? Let everybody know. Oh, 10 out of 10. She's 
He's giving me some spice and some flavors I've never experienced before. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think that's the place to leave it for tonight. I saw that on Instagram, and I knew that was a, the great place to uh, to leave it. Um, you know, you heard it right here. The best cooking in Dayton, Ohio, is at Trey Lander's house from his mama. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> uh, once again, uh, Ryan, Mike, Sell, Jeremiah Bonsu here on Talking Out Loud. The game tomorrow, uh, which is Saturday, July 24th. It'll be at 3 o'clock Eastern at the Cavelli Center on the campus of Ohio State in the Columbus Regional. Guys taking on BC Vahakni City for the chance to play the winner of who's, – who's the winner of the game you guys are playing? Wolfblood in Category 5. What's that? NC State in Miami, right? Yeah, and the U. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, final thoughts, guys. Uh, get them out right here. Ryan, you can go first. Nah, man. Uh, just uh, tune in if you can't go to the games. If if you're at the game, uh, wear red and stay loud. I think I, I think I said that right, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you got it right this time, man. I appreciate that. Now I don't even have to do it. Uh, Bonsu, what do you got for us? Final thoughts, man. I appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, final thoughts is proud of the way you kind of built this up, man. Like, you, you went from – uh, a guy just on Twitter to of uh, the face of kind of Dayton Twitter basketball, you know the. So good job, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. It it is definitely weird from time to time when I'm at Dayton and people will like say hey to me that I do not know. Um, that's always very weird, and then people will say shit like like oh it's weird that I'm talking to you because usually you're in my car speakers. You know, like you ever considered that before that like people are listening to this like in their car speakers because that's very weird for me. Like I'm just yeah, you're, you're a part of the institution now. I guess they, they may not want you to be. But <laughs> Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a double-edged sword. I don't know if they want me to be either, but... <laughs> pretty soon they will, trust me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but, People wait for you to make it big. Yeah, but we, we press on either way, and uh, and I appreciate having you guys on. So uh, that's Ryan and Bonsu. Check them out tomorrow at the TBT, or if you listen to this afterwards, eh, whatever, they'll be on again. Um, stick around. We got Nick Elam on the backside of the hour here. This is Talking Out Loud with your boy Sully. And welcome back. Without further ado, we are delighted to bring on now a recurring guest on the Talking Out Loud podcast and friend of the show. And he's actually a listener of the show as well. A loyal listener, I might add. He goes by the name of Nick Elam, the great basketball innovator himself, who just happens to be a 2004 graduate of the University of Dayton in Ohio. Go Flyers. Nick it's great to have you on the show for a second time, man. This is your season. I dare to say this is like your tax season for accountants, right? Like this is it for you. TBT season is like as high as it gets, right? Well, it's great to be back on the show. Yeah, this is this is awesome. Uh, we're right in the thick of TBT right now and also right in the thick of uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League, which is a professional league uh, that uses the Elam ending. So right now, I mean, over, these, over the span of, these, of the summer, I mean, we're going to have a uh, hundred plus games using the Elam ending, you know, right here that, uh, and right now I'm just getting to enjoy it and kind of absorb it all. And then once the games are over, then I'll really take a deep dive and, and uh, break it down possession by possession, make sure that the format's working the way it's supposed to. But yeah, so far it's looking great. 
Yeah, we call that crunching the numbers. Um, you know, you're going to go back to the lab, crunch the numbers, and, and see what happens. Um, most of the listeners, I think, on the show are familiar with the Elam ending. If you're listening to this uh, podcast, you probably have some familiarity. But to give you the quickest refresher that I can that's fit for radio, uh, at the first stoppage under the four-minute timeout, in a second half of a basketball game, the winning team score, you add eight points, and then that gives you the target score. So if the game is 60 to 52, the first team that gets to 68 would win that game. Simple as that, right? I mean, it, when you explain it to people when you're in passing, it's really that simple, is it not? Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, I've thought of this idea 14 years ago, and so I've been trying to and especially here in the last four years, you know, now that it's been implemented for the first time, I've had all these chances to kind of explain the concept. I still am looking for that best succinct way to uh, kind of explain the concept because people's eyes kind of glaze over whenever they read about it or hear about it for the first time. But I was just, <laughs> just watch, just watch a game, just watch a game. You'll see how simple it really is, what it's what it's intended to do, and how it works. And uh, yeah, that's when people are sold on it when they actually see it in action. Yeah, I would agree. Um, if you want to use that elevator pitch that I just made for you, you go ahead and clip that after I release the podcast, and then you can just hit play. Um, you know, I'll get listeners, and then you'll you know have a really good framework for how to explain it in, in ten seconds. So, you'll feel free. Go ahead. No copyright laws on talking out loud podcasts. But right. um, I, I wanted to you know kind of start with how have things changed, man? I mean, we uh, we talked what I think two years ago. Um, when Dayton was, you know, starting to get a little bit more attention in the TBT and it's hard to believe that TBT is now in its eighth season and it's basically a concept that's about 10 years old now. Um, how has it changed for you? You know, being like, um, I guess when it first started, it was like, we're going to try this novel concept. And now the TBT is like, this is our thing. It's, you know, you guys are kind of um, joined at the hip for lack of a better term. So walk me through, like, how's that evolution been for you? And and what's it been like to kind of see this through to a point where it's generally accepted as something that's kind of commonplace now in the summertime for TBT? Yeah. So after TBT adopted the Elam ending for the first time in 2017, those first few years, it was really a matter of, of me really trying to scrutinize how the format was working. And so you meet, you talk about the evolution. Then it was very much a nuts and bolts evolution of trying to you know, make modifications to the format, whatever it would be, to try to make it the best it could be. Now we're, we're pretty well set on a version of the format that we like. And so uh, in that way, you know, I think the, the adjustments and things like that are, are pretty well set but as far as evolutions for me and, and changes for me, it's been exciting uh, to, op- to present different opportunities for me. I've had uh, different universities, their sport management program, uh, give me the opportunity to teach courses for them as an adjunct uh, and you know, have opportunities to speak, you know, be a professional speaker and kind of share my story of how uh, I pursued this vision and, and used uh, different approaches to see this vision come to life, whether it's uh, speaking to businesses or speaking to schools, uh, things like that. So it, it's it's cool just to see kind of those different opportunities and uh, interest and people really interested in kind of in the story of it, but then also just the action of it. I mean, there's this, now we're getting this stockpile of highlights from the Elam ending that is kind of addicting to watch. And um, so again, it's just, it's really cool that, uh, the, the format gets to speak for itself. And then, then I get these opportunities to speak about it too. 
Yeah, you get to come on the Talking Out Loud podcast. I couldn't agree more, Nick. I mean, that's what everybody who is a Dayton fan wants to do eventually anyways. Um, it, you know what I had said over a number of years to people? Because I'll be the first to say I was definitely a doubter when I first turned on the TBT. Um, I guess this would have been like pre-Dayton being in it. So this would have been like six years ago. Um, and And there is an element of kind of like historical precedents that you have to get over as a basketball fan. Just because we've done things a certain way the entire time doesn't mean we necessarily have to keep doing them the same way, right? Um, and there's, you know, changes in every sport, right? Look at baseball. They're making changes to all kinds of stuff now, pace of play, and you, know, you can't put sticky stuff on the ball, right? So we're going to see more of that in every sport. And so has your sell or your your pitch to sell the idea kind of changed with that notion to say, hey, it's not as outlandish as you think, because I, I think the proof is in the pudding. Absolutely. You know, you have all these highlights. Once people get used to it, you know, more and more, it just becomes more commonplace. OK, this tournament's doing it this way. I guess we can do it this way. But here's the thing, Nick, and I actually I wanted to make the question a little bit more pointed. I think that the Elam ending was missing one thing in the TBT, and it's now starting to get that, and it was crowd excitement. Because in Wichita and in West Virginia, to a certain extent, more so in Wichita this year, the TBT, those really felt like home games, like real honest-to-God home games for Wichita State and West Virginia. And it'll be probably be the similar to when Dayton plays in Columbus here this weekend. Do you feel like that's probably the last hurdle to get over is once people see others in arenas getting fired up about Elam endings that the ball will start rolling a little bit more quickly downhill? So I'll say a lot of a lot of things there. One is nobody has to apologize for being skeptical of the idea because even I was initially skeptical of it. When I first thought of this idea in 2007, I, I really started to research it and explore it from the standpoint of I was trying to figure out what was wrong with it, why it wouldn't work. Because I figured there's got to be some flaw, some reason why it wouldn't work. But as I explored it over weeks and months in 2007, I finally sold myself on the idea. And then, yeah, then it was a matter of reaching out to people in the basketball world. You mentioned the element of change. And, yeah, I think people underestimate just how often rule changes occur in various sports, including basketball. They change the rules every year, uh, big and small. And so it's not, uh, you know, it's it's really not out of the ordinary to propose changes or accept changes in basketball. And then um, you mentioned that element of, of home crowds. I think that is really important because you know, when I envision this, I picture those packed gyms for a college basketball game or NBA game, what it might look like and sound like. And we're, we're really starting to see that. And uh, even, even in Charleston, we had, I mean, Wichita was great because the home team won and it, Created that great celebration in Charleston. It was uh, a dip, it was beneficial in a different way because we saw like the home teams, the Marshall alumni team, the West Virginia alumni team, uh, lose heartbreaker games that where the home team lost, and fans still walked away saying, "Hey, you know, it's too bad our team lost, but man, Elam in that's real. That's really exciting." So even even the the losing fans still walked away uh, with a favorable perception of the format and that yeah i think that's a great endorsement 
You know, I appreciate uh, two things on that last bit. Uh, number one, that you gave me a, a hand wave again for being skeptical, because you're right. I think a lot of people go into it being skeptical, and I was no different. I just have to set that caveat for my listeners, because somebody will inevitably call me out and be like, you know what, Sully, one time you were a hater, and I was, definitely. Um, and the second thing is, I'm glad that you're starting to... Uh, to get the unpredictability of the podcast business, you cannot help listeners when someone has to go blow and leaves right in the middle of a recording session. You know, it is what it is. You know, you're just going to have that background noise. But we we press on nonetheless. Um, and, and, you know, all this to say, I've heard a lot of the um, the detractors still that are out there. And the biggest thing that I hear from people is, do you really want the game to end on a free throw? I hear that all the time. I'm sure you do, right? And I've take, started to take more and more receipts about the people that have beef because just like you, I want to understand if you are still hesitant to adopt this kind of ending, I would like to know why. So digging into the numbers, as I often do on this show, uh, to date this season in the TBT, um, and this was as of Sunday, so I didn't count the games on Monday and Tuesday of this past week, according on Thursday. So in the games, I believe you said there was like 28 games so far. We have seen two games end on a free throw. That's 8%. Three pointers and dunks account for one-fourth of the endings. And two pointers accounted for two-thirds of the endings so far in the TBT. Okay, Lifetime numbers, TBT, or sorry, I guess this is, yeah, lifetime numbers of the TBT involving the Elam ending. 22% of games have ended on a free throw. 47% have ended from a three-pointer, and 32% have ended on a two-pointer. Nick, do any of those numbers surprise you? I mean, is that kind of what uh, the analytics have showed you year over year over year is kind of supposed to, to happen? Yeah, so I, I, I project that over a long, large sample that we would see about 15 to 20% of games in on a free throw. And if you uh, incorporate this year's games, then yeah, we're right in that range. To me, I, I, I think that's a, a healthy percentage. It, it just, it's really, I don't, I don't know, raises eyebrows, I guess, when somebody says that they hate the Elam ending because the game could end on a free throw. And it's like, well, that's that's the <laughs> whole thing here is that for, for generations, we've seen really good basketball games decided by free throws. Um, and they, they actually end in an even more boring way than with the free throw. They actually end with just someone dribbling out the clock. So, um and so, yeah, to me, the fact that under the current format, we only see about 1% of games end with a made field goal, with a meaningful made field goal. And with the Elam ending, we're seeing 80 to 85% of games end with a meaningful made field goal. I think that's, I think that's a really good improvement, and I wouldn't want to let perfection be the enemy of the good. Uh, and even, even then, sometimes we can see the... Uh, the missed free throw creates some drama. We saw that in Wichita where they had a, a play in a really close game, go to the line with a chance to hit two free throws to win the game. And he missed both of them. And then uh, there was a little bit of back and forth before uh, Wichita did get the ball back and win on a, on a three pointer that felt just like a buzzer beater. So again, I think it's, um, I, if, if some, if that's someone's best argument against the Elam ending, then I think, I think it's pretty weak, honestly. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I'm glad you led me perfectly into that segue. So I crunched the numbers 
as I often do, being a diligent podcast host. And uh, the question I specifically saw on Twitter, I'm going to call him out because I know that he's going to listen to the show, and he's uh, one of my friends back east that writes about basketball a great deal. His name is Jaden Daly. You can find him, Daily Dose of Hoops. That's at D-A-L-Y, Daily Dose of Hoops on Twitter. And he was one of the haters, Nick, I gotta be honest with you. And he's like, I don't like it. You know, can you imagine the national championship game ending on a free throw? And I thought to myself, you know, I could, but I'm going to go back over the last 30 national championships since I was born in 1990. So that was a perfect sample set at this point in my life. I have 30 exact national championships to analyze. And so I did that before we came on the show. I'm going to do some quick trivia for you here, Nick. How many national championships out of the last 30 have gone to overtime before I get into these numbers? Trivia. I forgot to say play the music, but the music's playing. Just trust. Okay. When trivia time starts. Uh, that's a great question. By the way, you, you nailed the first trivia question on your end of well, what that background sound was, which it was the neighbor's leaf blower. So that, that, <laughs> I know one. I know one when I hear one. I've been doing podcasts for quite some time now. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess four overtime games, but yeah. I really don't. There has actually been three overtime games in the last 30 years. So we are due for one every 10 years. And there was 1997, Arizona won an OT championship. 2008, uh, Kansas and Kentucky. Oh, crap. Now I'm, I'm blanking. That would have been Memphis and Kansas. There it is. Memphis and Kansas. I knew Kansas was in. I couldn't remember the other one. And then, of course, in 2019, uh, Texas Tech and Virginia. Um, so getting further into the weeds. I, now, listeners, this isn't scientific, okay? But I did a general estimation of games that ended with teams dribbling out the clock for 10 plus seconds. And then I took a sample of which games ended or came down to the final possession and then which games ended on a miss. And then there was some kind of dribbling out going on. Um, the other one I tallied up was how many national championships the starters had been taken out before the game was over. Are all these fair buckets for me to place games into, Nick? Um, I mean, yeah, that's a way to categorize it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I know. I mean, you're the math guy here. Okay. I'm just the context guy. So I'm just kind of talking through the scenarios. All right. So out of the 30 national championships dating back to 1990, there was dribbling out for 10 seconds or more in 16 of those 30 games. That means more than half of the national championships have ended with a deficit that dictated that the team winning or losing was going to dribble out the, the clock for 10 seconds or more. There were seven out of 30 that ended in a miss, and then there was some kind of dribbling out to go on. Four games out of the 30 came down to the final possession, truly came down to the final possession, okay? Three of those games went to overtime out of the 30. Four games had all of their starters out before the final whistle into the last minute, and uh, one game ended on a steal. And if my if listeners can actually figure out which game that is, that's great for you. Um, but it was way back when. So anyways, as I read those numbers off to you, I think we're making a pretty strong case here for the fact that ending on a free throw is probably better than a lot of those outcomes I just listed off, is it not? 
yeah, I mean, when you compare that to just dribbling out the clock, yeah, I think that's actually a step up. And, right? I uh, know. <laughs> you mentioned uh, you know, some overtime. Even overtime is no guarantee that you're going to get a great finish. That, that's been one part of my research is to see you know, how often do overtime games go down to the buzzer? Because obviously at the end of the second half or the end of the fourth quarter, it you know, had to go down to the buzzer some way. Um, but less than half of overtime games go down to the buzzer. That 2008 game is a great example where – uh, it goes to overtime and Kansas gets to a comfortable lead and it just kind of fades out in a whimper where, again, now you're still getting somebody dribbling out the clock, even in an overtime game. Um, and that you mentioned the, the hater about saying he wouldn't want to uh, see a national championship in on a free throw. I'd, I'd be curious what his thoughts were whenever it was that Michigan beat Seton Hall. I think it was like 1989. And uh, Ramil Robinson hit a couple of free throws in the last 10 seconds. And, and people kind of romanticize about that, about, oh, what a, what a great, dramatic way to end the national championship. I'd be, here, I'd be curious to hear his thoughts on that, whether he would uh, defend it or, or bash that one, too. Yeah, you know, I just thought as I was going through here that it was really interesting. Like, if you had asked me how many national championships came down to the final possession, I probably would have said like eight to ten. But it really isn't that way. And I just and I determined final possession as, you know, three points or less with a chance to tie or win, you know, with the ball in last possession. Right. I mean, I think that was a pretty standard one. Um but uh, to round this out, and in fairness, because you said like, okay, when we get to overtime, you're not guaranteed a great finish. That's true. However, you still had to get to overtime, which means it came down to the last possession. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't want to split that hair because when we're talking about the Elam ending, it's very finite. And technically, there is, you know, an extra level of drama for a team getting to the end of regulation and tying. So it's like, all right, I I just I didn't want to put it in the same bucket as the rest of the things. I just wanted to call out the fact that like three out of thirty games went to overtime. So we're not even talking about a large sample set, anyways. So that, that's all that's all fair. But I would say, you know, it's it's a it's a matter of taste, but I would say when you compare a timed game where there's three possible outcomes, you want to get to a tight game late, you know, the three outcomes are my team wins, my team loses, or we go to overtime. Okay, that's exciting. But then you play to a score, there's only two possible outcomes. My team wins or my team loses. And the, the ending is, you know, the ending is imminent and you get rid of that third neutral option. I think it raises the stakes. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think it raises the excitement when you know that there's no way out. There's no safety net here. This game is going to be decided right here, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wrapping up talking to Nick Elam, founder of the Elam Ending here on Talking Out Loud. Um, Nick, what's been your favorite part of of this whole um, progression of of taking this idea from you know a beer drinking idea on the couch to something that's that's actually in practice? I mean, it's been like you said, almost fifteen years now. Like, what's been the best part for you? Um, I think the really cool thing is because, you know, I have to think back for that, especially that first 10 year span of 2007 to 2017, where it was just me out there, like proposing this idea and trying to door to door this idea, you know, I'm out there on an Island and now there's a lot of times I don't need to say anything. You know, these games speak for themselves or I overhear people, um, you know, I heard overheard people in a restaurant in Charleston. I hear overhear people in the concession stand line who don't, you know, they have no idea who I am. Things like that. Talk, you know, talking to each other, kind of explaining the, the idea to each other and why they why they like it. 
uh, and you know, even then you kind of hear some of that uh, skepticism or whatever, but still it's not like, you know, just hate. It's like, Oh, you know, like that's kind of cool. And the, I don't know, it's, it, it brings up great discussion and debate. So it's, it's nice to kind of be able to just sit back on the sidelines a little bit and just listen to other people debate it and let the games play out rather than having to be, I guess, the spokesperson for this format. <laughs> Do you ever, have you ever jumped in like being at a bar and overheard and be like, Oh, oh no, actually that's not correct. That's not, that's not actually how the element you ever jump in like that. <laughs> not yet but it's probably only a matter of time we'll see. <laughs> as you go to all the tvt games and i mean i guess if you're having dinner at, at, around the arena after the game like people are going to be talking about it so i figured you, you know one of these days you're not gonna be able to help yourself yeah yeah and it's yeah this uh a couple of nights ago my girlfriend and i were at a restaurant called tin tin cafe and uh in charleston and we we could overhear the guy at the bar talking to the bartender like man you got you got to check out this Elam thing, man. It's crazy. So here's what you do. You, you know, at the four minute mark. And so he just goes on from there. And uh, it's like, yeah. So I'm listening. It's like, yeah, yeah, he did a pretty good job explaining it. I don't think I, <laughs> I, I could have said any better myself. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy my dinner. When you start dating someone for the first time, how does that get brought up? Like, how do you, t- how do you dip your toe into those waters? I think uh-huh. listeners are very curious. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't put it out front. Uh, no, that, no. You know, something about that seems kind of. You'd be scaring women away, Nick. I'm gonna be honest with you. You got to hold it till like day three or four at the least. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever it does come up, I mean, there's a lot of innuendo and laughs about that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, we just kind of talk about the the journey a little bit, and um, it it kind of depends. It depends a lot on the level of interest and knowledge that they have in basketball of kind of how the discussion goes from there. But yep. Um, yeah, I'm fortunate that uh, my girlfriend now, she, she uh, is really enjoying it. We had a great time in Charleston. She'll be there in uh, Columbus and Dayton. So it's really cool. Um, you know, we're all just deep down. We're all just guys trying to impress our girlfriend. Right. So whenever, <laughs> whenever I see these uh, games play out really well and have an exciting finish, you know, that's always cool because your girlfriend's impressed. Well, I I ask because I've, you know, I've climbed this mountain before as well. Um, When you start dating someone, you don't lead with, hey, guess what? I have a college basketball podcast. Um, That's just not how, you know, you're going to bring them bring them back to the house. But um, yeah, you know, I got to I got to wade through these waters, too. So I was kind of curious if if you handle it the same way I do. And it sounds like you do. um, But, you know, I I never want to come out of the gate and be like, oh, you know what? I actually do this cool college basketball podcast and and future girlfriend. I'm going to go to a college campus like six nights a year to do this radio show. It's not my strongest lead. So, you know, I I had to actually. Yeah, you have to, you know, you always have to wonder if it it falls flat, that they might not be as impressed as you want them to be. I learned that the hard way uh, a long time ago when I started on the Reds grounds crew. I I thought it was way cooler than any of my dates did. And uh, (laughs) I learned pretty pretty quickly, just not even to mention it. And, you know, if it happens to come up, we can talk about it. But So you're telling me you cut grass all day? Hmm. (laughs) Pass the potatoes, please. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah I, I it's hard out here it really is it is hard out here um yeah it and i guess you know i always think it's it's funny it's when when i talk about this kind of stuff with people um is, is how much they want to know so like i think you should use this okay you can take this from me but 
if somebody asks you about like the element, oh, like what do you do? Oh, you can't play the basketball ending. I usually say, you want the short version or the long version? Because my girlfriend is one of those people that'll just like tune me out if the story's too long. So then I can make up in my mind, okay, let me give them the short version. So for you, it'd be like, oh, it's just a different kind of way that you end a basketball game and a few different tournaments have adopted it. And that is enough of a nugget where the person can say, oh, really? Like how? And then that opens the door for you to explain or to be like, oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, sure. Different ending, whatever. See, like, you know, you can kind of weed out how much people want to hear. That's my advice. That'll work a lot better than what I normally do. So, well, let me take you back to March of 2007. (laughs) That's that's exactly right. Yeah, spending uh, five minutes on on each year and the progression since then. Yeah, uh, yeah, tighten it up. I like it. Well, the the TBT, too, kind of lends itself to that because generally everywhere you go, if you're watching the TBT, you're going to have to explain what you're watching to someone, you know, and I've got that pretty tight, too. I'm like, eh, it's like this college all-star tournament that they play at a bunch of different sites, and my school's alumni is in it, and generally people are like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. But if I had a longer explanation, people would be like, God, you fucking nerd, like, calm down, dude. You know, it's like July. Like, what are we talking about? So I, you know, I, I encourage you to use my tactics moving forward. Um, <laughs> I know I said wrapping up a couple of minutes ago, but here we are. Um, Nick, as the, the TBT kind of heading into the second weekend here, and obviously we're doing this show to get ready for Dayton's matchup on Saturday afternoon. Um, what's in store for you? What kind of cool perks do they give you? You get to try you travel free to all the games, I'm assuming, right? So what do you got coming up the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so uh, yeah, like I had told you before the interview, just got back uh, late on, I guess, technically it was Thursday morning uh, from Charleston. And then Thursday evening, headed back over to Columbus. Uh, and yeah, we're in, in the team hotel or TBT hotel. They're close to Cavelli Center where they'll be playing the games. And then um, for Dayton, I had the option to stay in the hotel, but my parents live in Centerville. So I'll just crash at my parents' house while, while it's going on there. But sure. Um, yeah. I mean, like they, they treat me well. There's always a lot of, uh, just, I don't know, warm, warm exchanges. It's really a lot of hugs going around because uh, people in TBT they're I, I, I communicate with them throughout the year, but it's only around this uh, kind of few weeks that I actually get to see them in person. So um, they've, uh, They've made my life better, and and I hope that I hope that I've made their product better. And so, yeah, there's a lot of goodwill there. So it's always exciting to see them. It's fun to see uh, the teams and just all the different. You know, at the hotel bar, you'll see the teams, you'll see the broadcasters, you'll see the the referees, you'll see uh, TBT people all just kind of hanging out with each other and, and enjoying a drink. And so it's uh, it's a cool it's a cool. Uh, dynamic i guess that i don't i don't know if i would really compare it to anything else it's very unique yeah especially with the teams like you know being alumni guys and not seeing each other for a long time or coming back over from europe or what have you um who's the coolest person that you've met throughout all this do you have like one that stands out or one story that stands out um i mean getting to meet Chris Paul was really exciting. That I, I met him in 2019 at TBT Championship in Chicago. Uh, he had a team that he had entered in TBT that year. Now, they did not make it to the final, but he was such a fan of TBT and the Elam ending format that he, he wanted to be there. So I got to meet him and chat with him a little bit. And little did I know at the time, and I mean, I'm looking, thinking back to summer of 2019, little did I know that he was – talking to Adam Silver about 
trying to get the Elam ending implemented into the NBA All-Star game. And that came to life in 2020 and 2021. Yep. Um, and so that's just really exciting for me because in his position as the president of the Players Association, you know, he can't just propose different little pet ideas of his. If he's if he's going to the commissioner and, and, and pushing an idea like that, that means that he's got the backing of many, many players at the highest level of play in the world uh, who really are intrigued by this format. And so that just makes it really cool to think about not only how far how, how far this project, this concept has come up to this point, but to think about future possibilities for it. And, and I don't have any idea how this story ends for me or for the format, but I, I just see it continuing to take these baby steps forward. And it's, uh, it's a blast uh, seeing it continue to grow and move forward. Well, we look forward to, to kind of taking that journey with you, man. And hopefully, you know, we get this opportunity to catch up every year, um, you know, so that we can uh, we can follow along. And that's the best part for I know me and fans of our program, you know, in our tiny little corner of the Internet that every time this gets brought up, we get to do that thing where you go, hey, did you know that that guy went to the University of Dayton? People go, really? He did. Yeah, he sure did. So we're uh, we're going to be along the journey with you, man. And as always, you know, I love having you on the show and it's, it's great to catch up with you here in the summer. I uh, hope to be doing it again soon. So thanks for taking the time to come on the program. I love it. Thank you. That's Nick Elam, creator of the Elam Ending. And that will also do it for our show tonight. Really appreciate you sticking around until the bitter end. And so I'm going to reward you, fair listener, with a great song. Since I released this podcast on Friday, I'm in a Friday kind of mood. And I chose a Friday kind of song. It's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael. And so on behalf of Ryan Mikesell and Jeremiah Bonsu and our special guest, Nick Elam, all graduates from the University of Dayton, I am Sully reminding you that there are only two rules this weekend. You wear red, be loud, and we'll catch you next week.
When you start your next project today at Menards, check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big. 